What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to an episode of Coast to Coast Podcast. Today, it's just Jose and I, and we're providing you guys with our fantasy football guide on how to win your fantasy football league. We'll be going over draft tactics, breaking it down there, and then talking about some in-season management. So without further ado, I'll let Jose take it away. He's going to start off with the first topic, talking about your first picks in the draft. Jose, all you. So, you know, your first few picks, when I think about the first pick, I always want to prioritize an RB1. Um, And what I mean by that is a workhorse RB, you know, that's going to get the majority of carries in all situations, meaning goal line and third down. But, you know, you can use the rankings to assess, you know, who, who, who's better than who, but if you, if you, let's say you get to the, you get a pick at the end of the first round and you can't secure that workhorse, then I would, I would look for, you know, another elite wide receiver or um, for example, the only non wide receivers or non running backs I would justify taking in the first round would be someone like Tyree kill Devonte Adams, uh, Diggs, Hopkins or Kelsey. Um, but ideally your first three rounds of picks should be filling your RB one, your RB two and your wide receiver one, at least. Um, I would hold off on QBs. I don't think there's a single QB worth taking before your RB one uh, or your wide receiver one. Um, and I usually wait around like round seven or eight to fill those, to fill that spot just because QBs, I feel like, you know, they all provide a similar value, you know, even the top guys, like they're not that much better than, you know, guys that provide consistent value. Mm-hmm. So yeah, prioritize your your workhorse RB and fill out your, your wide receiver one spots. And I think it's important uh, just going off what Jose was saying is even though you might be in a draft, let's say you get your bunch of people from work together or a bunch of your buddies together and people are just kind of drafting random orders, stick to what Jose said. Cause you know, go for the running backs, wait for the wide receiver. I mean, wait for the uh, quarterbacks because some people might just get stupid and start drafting Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in the second and third round. Don't fall for it. Uh, If they go, they're going to be missing out on a lot of value on guys that you can pick up that usually wouldn't be there. So awesome point by Jose. So now we're moving to sleepers. Um, I think it might be the most important thing about fantasy because it can be what can win you your league. Um, So when thinking about a sleeper, uh, just to define it here, a sleeper is a technically a late round pick um, that – is a guy that can provide way above his uh, average draft position, also known as ADP. So uh, you want to look for players in the draft rankings that are rated low, but seem to seem seen in a highlight by fantasy, fantasy experts. So let's say you're looking for an RB to be on your team and you want to find a sleeper guy. You want to look for someone, you know, target someone where the running back uh, above them is not so talented. If you were looking for a guy like a run, a rookie, let's say you want to draft someone like Javante Williams this year, when you think that he's going to be in the backfield, we don't know where he's going to end up yet. Uh, we'll also know next week, but when say someone like him uh, is falling down uh, the draft, he gets drafted in the fourth round of the NFL draft. So he kind of goes as not as a big name. And then if he's in that backfield where it's crowded, but it seems like he is the most talented guy there, that's the kind of sleeper back you're looking for. Uh, it's best to target running backs projected as the RB1 in their backfield as well. But looking for a situation like that is good too, because we look at a situation, someone like Jonathan Taylor and James Robinson this year, who are both rookies who were able to not start as the RB1 in their depth chart, but ended up as if at the end of the season. And obviously those two guys 
uh, are going to be top drafted players this year. Yeah. Um, I think rookie running backs are a huge thing to hit on. Uh, you know, names I just mentioned, uh, Javante Williams, but I think some other names, uh, really popular ones could be Najee Harris. Uh, I think Travis Etienne is still going to be a good one. But, you know, Chuba Hubbard's going to be a name out there. So I think running backs are a lot of positions to go out for sleepers. But um, also uh, not just rookies, but young players and newly signed free agents are always a good option. We've seen people such as Stephon Diggs go way above their uh, – play way above their ADP last year um, due to the fact that they were traded to a new team. Uh, we also see young players um, just taking a step up. Uh, we've seen it in the past with players, um, Gosh, you know, know. Yeah, exactly. Just Josh Allen, for example, who just burst onto the scene. Um, there's just a, there's tons of examples, and you just got to be doing your due diligence in your research. It's just how it works in fantasy. You got to look up, like, okay, what's this team's depth chart? Oh, this is a new guy. Is he doing well in training camp? Uh, what's the word there? Because that always is a good indication. So just the overall sum summary when it comes to sleepers, uh, look for running backs that are projected as RB1 in their backfield that might be lower down the board, you know, lower than guys, uh, even like at a level like Melvin Gordon, uh, you know, lower than those guys. Um, also look into the rookie running back situation, ones that could potentially win their uh, backfield. And also look for young players and newly signed free agents. I think some guys that we've pointed out in terms of newly signed free agents, um, looking over the Jacksonville Jaguars, we got Marvin Jones Jr. I think could be a guy that could break out. Curtis Samuel is a guy who's on everyone's radar. But if it's someone on everyone's radar, you don't really consider them a sleeper sometimes. So look for people really under the radar, but that have a lot of talent. You know, even looking at another guy in Jacksonville, LaVisca Chanel, a young player going into his second season, was a lot of uh, opportunity to go about. So now uh, we're looking into running backs and wide receivers and how you draft them. So Jose is going to take it there. Yeah. So, I mean, you want guys on teams um, that are the clear number one option. And like I said, they have high usage rates on all downs, a.k.a. third down and goal line. Um, and you want to look for running backs who can catch the ball, too. For the most part, you want to avoid guys who are one-trick ponies, um, a.k.a. a guy like Josh Jacobs, which I'm not saying he's a one-trick pony, but sometimes you're not always evaluating the talent of the player, but you're evaluating how he's being used in that offense. And, you know, Gruden has shown that, you know, he doesn't really like to use Josh Jacobs in the passing game. He, he just kind of uses him as a, as a, um, a bell cow or is that the right term? Yeah. A bell cow back. Yeah. He's just, he's a workhorse back. He's just known for the ground. But um, yeah. And, you know, I, I try not to worry too much about injuries or speculate that a guy is going to get injured because you really can't predict that. And guys are always going to get injured. Um, so don't, you know, don't let that deter you from drafting guys that are great that have injury history, like Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, or Christian McCaffrey, um, or Saquon Barkley. But always, 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 I can't stress this enough, always draft your running backs handcuffed, especially your RB1. Even if you don't draft them, you can pick them up on waivers. But um, Latavius Murray two years ago saved my season when Alvin Kamara went down for like five weeks in a row. Um, Gio Bernard last year was the only reason I – like was able to justify taking Joe Mixon because he basically took his role. So, I mean, drafting a handcuff is essentially like a safety blanket for when your RB1 goes down and they step up into that RB1 role. Um, and especially for guys with injury history or vulnerability. Uh, some of the best handcuffs this year 
include Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Marlon Mack, or A.J. Dillon. You know, in the past, we've had handcuffs become RB1s for almost an entire season, uh, like James Conner, Mike Davis last year, uh, Miles Gaskin last year. Uh, and my final point here is, for the love of God, please avoid Patriots and 49ers running backs at all costs, <laughs> unless unless you're using them as your flex on a week-to-week basis. But these are guys you cannot count on just because of the way the run scheme is set up. They like to spread the ball. They like the RBBC. Same thing with Philly. Uh, you know, they're not guys you can depend on week to week, but matchup based, they are guys with value, um, you know, dependent on a said matchup or, you know, let's say certain guys in the depth chart go down with injury and they're the only one left or like a clear number one guy. Yeah. Just to add on to that, you're talking about the 49ers backfield. It's especially messy now since they just picked up Wayne Gallman. Now they got Raheem Mostert. Wayne Gallman, uh, Jeff Wilson had a fantastic end of the season. Obviously, I'm the 49ers fan, but I understand where Jose is coming from. And especially the Patriots, I think a name that's going to be flashy is Damian Harris because he was able to have a really good yards per carry last year. And PFF ranks him as like a top five running back. But it's the nature of the coaching staff. The coaching staff isn't changing in New England or for, or San Francisco anytime soon. And like I said, you're not always evaluating the talent of the player, but evaluating how he's being used in that set offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm uh, moving on to uh, our in-season management section. Liam, take it off with the waiver wire game. All right. So I think, you know, the sleepers, obviously, I said were very important. But uh, going against my word, this I know from what Chan worked the way to win our league, uh, the waiver wire game might be the most important. Um so just for providing some background information, the waiver wire is essentially all the players that aren't drafted or on teams that can be picked up on a week-to-week basis. Uh, typically, there's about a period from, let's say, the end of Monday Night Football, about Tuesday to Wednesday, where you can submit your claims for these players. And based upon how your team is doing record-wise, you can uh, you have priority to secure these players. But it breaks a lot more down than that because there's players that people might not see in the top of the waiver wire. Uh, that can end up being a huge contribution to your team. Uh, the first three weeks are very important in your fantasy football league, weeks one to three in the regular season as well, uh, because you're going to be able to determine um, if you can land yourself a wide receiver to RB2, because that's very probable. Um, some notable guys, obviously James Robinson was on the waiver wire this year, Chase Claypool on the waiver wire, uh, Justin Jefferson could have been on your waiver wire, uh, Justin Herbert couldn't even have been on your waiver wire, and Justin Herbert finished as a top quarterback. Um, even some other guys, I think Robbie Anderson could have ended up in some people's, uh, even though he ended up being the top wide receiver this year. There's a lot of guys, depending, you know, if you have an eight man or 10 man league uh, that could go under the radar and not drafted. Uh, the quarterbacks are usually the ones that end up being the top of the waiver wire. So those are really important uh, when it comes down to the nitty gritty end of the season, when you're looking to secure a guy who could win you a game. So the important thing to look at in waiver wire uh, is not only paying attention to doing your re- your research uh, about, oh, a guy that might be working his way up in the running back room or the wide receiver room who's been putting on some performances, but also looking at matchups. So let's say you're doing uh, the waiver wire in terms of a week-to-week uh, week basis. You're looking for someone to play quarterback because your guy's on a bye week. Uh, looking at the matchups is a perfect way to evaluate that uh, because ESPN, uh, if you're using ESPN to do fantasy, is a perfect way to look at it to um, evaluate the average point values uh, allowed uh, by the defense. 
So typically, if it's a wide receiver, ESPN will show you, oh, it's the 32nd ranked defense uh, against wide receivers in fantasy football, not just the defense itself, uh, but the, in terms of fantasy football points. Uh, you also want to pay attention to injuries. Um, let's say a popular thing last year, uh, Aaron Jones had a lot of injury struggles. And if he looks questionable um, and he's kind of up in the air and you see someone like Jamal Williams, who was his backup, his true backup last year, you want to go pick someone like him up. Um, and those guys, like Jose was saying, could end up being a guy that could win you the league, uh, such as like a Gio Bernard, because they're handcuffs in a way. Um, so I think it's really important to look for those kind of guys. But, you know, just overall, when it comes to the waiver wire, read and do your research, listen to the fantasy es- experts, uh, pay attention to injuries, be on top of your stuff, and keep an eye out also on the transaction log in your league. Uh, you want to see people who are dropping players, you know, maybe they just get frustrated three weeks. Uh, in and there's like, oh, I just can't handle it. I'm not I'm dropping this guy. And, you know, some people do just burst later onto the scene. We've seen it with players such as Kenyon Drake, who had a horrendous um, start of the season and then always seems to kick into a next gear at the end of the season. So especially for you guys, if you're in a playoff position, you want to pay attention to those people that you also might want to store in your team also from the waiver wire, such as let's say a, a RB goes down for injury and the guy doesn't have an IR spot left for him. They might just drop into the waiver wire. And if you have an open IR spot, pick that guy up, keep him on your team because you can use him for trade value or you can also use him uh, later on. But speaking of trade value, Jose's got that segment. He's talking about trades. He's talking about how it looks. So Jose, take it away. Yeah. Uh, well, I wanted to add on a little bit to the, this goes with both parts, but um, download the sleeper fantasy football app. Uh, it gives you insanely fast notifications way faster than ESPN updates, injury updates, anything like that. If an injury occurs in practice or like anything like that, you'll be updated instantly on the sleeper app way before it ever um, updates on ESPN. So let's say a guy that, you know, doesn't have that app, doesn't know about a said injury or a said, you know, trade or something. You can literally finesse him. <laughs> like, um, you know, you can ask him to trade uh, a few years ago when, um, I think it was Carlos Hyde was the lead back of the Browns uh, and he got traded away and Nick Chubb stepped into that role. Um, you know, you could, you could have picked up Nick Chubb off the waiver wire and you wouldn't, you would have known that a lot faster if you had the sleeper app notifications. So it's very clutch. It'll, it'll give you a lot of good uh, opportunities to act on, but um, moving on to trade tactics. I want to emphasize this again. I mean, acquiring top running backs is obviously your number one priority. It trumps the value of any player, but it's not always your need. You want to analyze your team's need and where, you know, your weaknesses are week to week. You know, where are your points not coming from or where are they coming from? And where can you find consistent value? Not necessarily in like a star, but someone who can provide, you know, 10 to 15 points a week that can just, you can just set it and forget it. Um, so when, when, when going into a trade, you also want to analyze the other team's needs and see if your team can fulfill that or, you know, kind of fill that gap. Yeah, you and have to make it seem it, like both sides are winning the trade. Just add on to that. Yeah. Yeah, you just want to make it seem like a, bet, a fair deal, even if it isn't. Um, but two years ago, I traded Christian McCaffrey for Stephon Diggs and Joe Mixon because my team, you know, even though I had a superstar in CMC and he was putting up crazy numbers, I needed depth and my team overall would have been better with the production of both 
Diggs and Mixon as opposed to just CMC. So those are things you got to kind of look for. You can package two, you know, good players for a star or vice versa, sell your star for some good depth. Um, and when guys hit peak value, look for trade offers. I mean, no one should be untouchable. Um, you know, when, when, for example, what I mean by peak value last season, when Joe Mixon had his 49 point game, that is peak value. He's likely not going to top that for the rest of the season. So you want to sell high, look for trades. And obviously I didn't sell high. I held on to him and I, you know, I obviously got screwed. He had a terrible rest of season. Um, so yeah, that's an, a situation where I should have sold high and, you know, things like that happen all the time. Uh, same thing goes for vice versa. If a guy starts cold, you want to buy low and hope for a turnaround because even if he doesn't turn it around, you still bought low and, you know, you're not losing that much. You can always trade him back again. Um, for example, Derrick Henry last season had a pretty mediocre first two to three weeks. Um, you know, I think he had like a single digit game and then like a 12 point game or something. Um, you know, you could have easily bought that low and then boomed for the rest of season. And that's insane value. Um, you know, the most dangerous trades occur at the start of season within the first four weeks. I would try to hold off um, trading any of your stars in the first week, you know, not panicking, things like that. Don't trade, <laughs> you know, let's say your RB puts up, you know, not great numbers in the first few weeks, just wait a little bit. Uh, and if he still continues to suck, then, then you sell. But, you know, even if your team is really hurting, use the waiver wire to your advantage. There's always gems. And if you, if you do hit on a waiver wire gem, sell high because the likelihood of him continuing that for the rest of season is not, not a lot. Um, you know, one of the fastest ways to elevate your team is to pick up waiver wires, waiver wire players, you know, keep up with their projection week to week and sell, sell high. Because um, sometimes when an RB2 steps into an RB1 role on the waiver wire, say because of injury, it's going to say projected. 15 points or something just because he's stepping into that role. And if you pick him up, that's insane value. Even if you're not starting him, you can sell that to someone who sees that 15 point projection and they're going to think, you know, great value. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Uh, for example, James Robinson um, guys that stepped into the Seattle role. Um, what was his name? Something James. The, the Seattle backup that like went off. James for a Hollister. Couple games. Oh, Jacob Hollister. No, running oh, back. Oh, uh, oh, DJ Dallas. DJ Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he stepped up last year. Had a few good games. You could have sold him high because he didn't. You know, he didn't keep up for a while. Or you know, guys in RBBCs. Whenever the the, the top guys go down, you want to target that lower guy because he's stepping up into that top role. And you don't necessarily always want to keep them. You can sell them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Yeah, just kind of add on to that. Talking about when you're saying selling high, I think that's a really important thing. It's something that I think would have pro propelled myself into the playoffs if I wouldn't wasn't so focused on uh, Russell Wilson last season. I think everyone knows if you followed football last year, Russell Wilson had a fantastic, basically one through eight weeks, um, was a lead leaguing for MVP. And I was getting some ridiculous offers from him. Uh, I got, I think Deshaun Watson in like a wide receiver two was what someone threw at me. And to look at it, I would have probably made the playoffs because Deshaun Watson had a fantastic run to the end of last year. 
And then also in terms of buying low and even selling low sometimes, uh, let's say you have a player, um, for example, a trade that happened in our league last year was uh, Ezekiel Elliott got traded because he was kind of on a downward spot viral because they're kind of taking him out and putting Tony Pollard in for more. Uh, you can still convince people if the person has a track record of being a star that you can trade them uh, and get good value for them. So I think that's important. But talking about value and looking at a, a the most essential part of uh, fantasy football is talking about who you're going to start week in, week out. And um, it's essential to research matchups. Uh, you want to know who your guys are going against, what the defense fares against them. Um, and just, you know, is there history against this team? You know, for example, let's say you have Derek, I mean, Derek Henry should be a guy that starts in your lineup regardless, but let's say you're doing, I know a thing where you're buying the players uh, week in, week out, you have a new team. Uh, let's say Jarek Henry's going against Jacksonville. You know that the guy owns them. You want to go out there and get a player like that. But I think when in terms of star players, even if they have a bad matchup, you know, looking, let's say Patrick Mahomes is playing a good pass defense, such as like the Baltimore Ravens, don't be panicked and thinking you have to bench them because the matchup's bad, because there's just some players that just trump that thing. Like Devontae Adams is a guy like that. Christian McCaffrey is going to do something like that. Patrick Mahomes, I think, Jackson, uh, J- Josh Allen's going to get up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the only problem is you have to worry about defenses in situations like that. Even if you have the number one defense and you're going against a really good offense, an offense is bound to score some points. And, you know, in some rare cases, no. But I think that's the only situation you need to worry about with your defense. But, yeah. yeah, just because there's a player also playing a bad defense doesn't mean you should start them. I think a perfect example of this has been McCole Harbin, especially last season. He sold me so many times because ESPN projects him to be having 11-something points. And I keep falling for it because I'm like, he's bound to break out. He's a guy that has speed. He's down to have to do something. And they kept playing bad defenses. Or even if they're not playing bad defense, just because there's a player that stepping into a role doesn't mean he's going to break out. I think, you know, going back to when, he's t- when Jose was mentioning Alexander Madison, he was in a lot of roles to succeed last year. His best games came when he was playing the, play, sharing the ball with Dalvin Cook. And the one week when he was projected 25 points, he threw up an absolute dud. So um, I think it's important to do research uh, because, you know, oh, like was Alexander Madison only good in that game because, you know, it was a poor run defense and so on and so forth. Um, But then again, there is situations where a player can step into a position to succeed. Um, And you got to know like, oh, is this a favorite target of the quarterback? Uh, You know, maybe they've like played together in a college or something like that. They have some link. I think that's essential to look at. But when in doubt, always start your highest scoring players. If you just run into a decision where you don't know who to run with, that's the always best thing to do. But always pay attention to injuries, even when it's, you know, whether you're on the West Coast and the game start at 10 a.m. or you're on the East Coast and they start at 1 p.m., be checking right up to the game starts to make sure that you have your players starting in the right positions. And if there is a player that might not be playing you know, let's say they play, it's a Monday night or like a Sunday night game and they're sort of questionable, put them in your flex position so that if a situation arises, you can replace them with anyone. You can replace them with a running back, you can place them with a tight end or a wide receiver. But um, I think a position has a flex position. Yeah, given your league has a flex position, hopefully uh, you guys do have flex position because that is, I think, one of the more crucial positions to have um, in the fantasy football league. But also, just to wrap this up, when you're looking at positions like wide receiver two and flex, I think it's important to compare your starters with your bench because that's probably the most 
the area where you're going to lose a lot of points in situations if you mess up. Um, you know, some notable people like Chase Claypool have gone off and had, you know, he had like a 50 or like a 40 point game. And then the next game, he still had like a 30 point game. You want to evaluate because usually you should expect your wide receiver one, you know, to be the guy that starts every week. You know, even if he has some duds, no, it's not going to be bad on you because you didn't bench, you know, Adam Thielen. Um, but, you know, look at your wide receiver two and flex because those are probably going to be the ones where you're going to want to compare if you're bench. Or if you don't know, have a lower tier quarterback, you wait till a low round, you get someone like, you know, Matt Ryan or you get, I don't know, there's a lot of names out there you could get. Um, you want to compare them with your bench too because you might have quarterbacks of similar levels that you just kind of look at to a matchup re, uh, on a matchup basis. So just summing this up, research your matchups. Star players, even if they have a bad matchup sometimes, if you know they're one of those top tiers, don't be panicked. Uh, just because there's a bad there's a player playing a bad defense doesn't mean you should start them. Uh, when in doubt, start your highest scoring players and uh, always compare your wide receiver two and flexes with your bench because there's always an opportunity for a guy on your bench to go off. So, Jose, I don't know if you have anything else to add on, but I think we pretty much covered what it takes uh, to win your fantasy football league. Um, yeah, I mean, just ride and die with your with your stars. You drafted them for to be your stars for a reason. Um, and if they don't perform, then trade them. But always start them. I mean, I get questions all the time, like, should I start Julio or should I start like Christian Kirk? I'm like, <laughs> like even though the matchup is a lot better for Kirk, you know, ESPN the the fantasy app has gotten a lot better um, and made it a lot easier to research matchups. I mean, it gives you like the ranking. Um, of the defense that they're facing against said position right next to their name. It'll say like 32nd or first, and it'll be green for good or red for bad. Uh, and also look at their game log. I mean, right before, like when analyzing a player, just look at their game log, look at their past few games or, you know, any games they've had previously against that team. Yeah. And literally when it comes to research, seriously, 10 minutes, uh, maximum a day can be all you have to do. And you can literally pull off a team that can win a championship. So like Jose said, look at the game logs. And I think that's also an essential thing to look at and just be on top of your stuff. Don't just let your team sit there and set your lineups weeks in advance because you can do that on the ESPN app. Just pay attention. Look at trends in players. Are they trending downwards? Uh, don't give up on your star players too early. And I think if you follow what we had today, and if you ask us any questions throughout your season, you can pretty much win your fantasy football league. So I think we're done here today. This weekend, we'll be coming back to you with another episode of Sunday Talk. And some interesting draft content will be coming to you guys shortly. So without further ado, this is Coast to Coast Podcast. We're signing out. Peace.